It's Thursday, September 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Mann. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on, Chris. It's nice to see you, buddy. Good to see you as well, my friend. Uh, we've got beer. We've got games. I mean, not really. Not really. We're going to talk about beer and games. We're... <laughs> That'd be bad. <laughs> That'd just be a bad start this, to the show. This, game, this show is going to be awesome. <laughs> um, we're going to start with the stock of the day. Shares of Lululemon Athletica up 13% this morning, hitting an all-time high after a monster second quarter report. And I, I know the default thinking for a lot of people, myself included, when they hear Lululemon, they think, well, this is women's apparel. This is a women's brand. But a big part of the story today, and really over the last couple of years, has been the way Lululemon has grown their men's business. Yes. And by the way, Lululemon for men's is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, yeah. And they came out and they said, uh, sales were up strongly in the women's and men's categories, which make you wonder what other categories they have. I don't, re- I don't recall there being Lululemon for pets. Um, but Just you that's wait. Pretty much, that's right. It's pretty much the categories. They did great, up 61%. And this is even so, about a third of Lululemon's uh, supply chain, their manufacturing, is in Vietnam, which has suffered all sorts of shutdowns due to COVID. So they have had supply chain issues, and yet they have still absolutely crushed it. And they don't see this as being a COVID phenomenon. I mean, obviously, who amongst us isn't sitting around in more comfortable clothes than usual? Uh, but they see this as being a long lived trend because they their guidance was very, very strong. And part of that guidance was hinting at updating guidance that they gave in 2019 around the men's line, which was, we're going to double our men's line by 2023. And... The language we got today was, eh, it, it, it's almost certainly going to be sooner than that, and it could be as early as, you know, basically they said, check back with us after the holidays. We'll update you then. But it, all signs point to them being early on doubling their men's business. Yeah, and, and, and again, this is not a segment that's like, hey, it's now a couple guys, and, you know, in 2023, it's going to be a couple more guys. These are meaningful amounts of revenues for, for Lululemon. The other thing, so it's really interesting to me, Lululemon has been one of the really the select few uh apparel retailers that's absolutely thrived during the pandemic so much so that they made that transaction of you know they they bought mirror and they're also now talking about how they're going to integrate that into into more of the lifestyle part of what you know of what of what lululemon is it's absolutely an aspirational brand and more and more people seem to be aspiring to lululemon because their guidance on every level was fantastic on top of really great results. It'll be interesting to see over the next few months. I, ju- I just think back to the holiday season last year, and so much of Lululemon's marketing was built around Mirror and built around sort of that. Obviously, it was a recent acquisition for them. Yeah. They were really pushing it, you know, sort of trying to dovetail on what Peloton's been doing. I'll be curious to see if they repeat that this year because it's not to say that that. Um, mirror hasn't worked for them, but it's it's 
obviously more nascent than their established business lines. It is, and we have seen uh, we have seen a number of companies that have attempted to integrate technology into their existing line of goods. Um, Under Armour and Nike, probably at the top of the list. One was much more successful than than the other at doing so. So this is still this is still a complex bet for them. But because Lululemon's stores are still getting great foot traffic, what they've been doing is putting store within a store. They've got 500 stores now, and by the end of this year, by Christmas, uh, 40% of them will have mirror store within the stores so they're really doubling down on the technology component of what of what of what this business can be last thing before we move on how expensive is this stock that when on a valuation basis obviously it's a it's a good day for lululemon shareholders when the stock's hitting an all-time high do you look at it and think it's particularly expensive i think for me and it may i man how how to really put this? I think that I I think that fashion has such a trend of boom and bust that Lululemon is a is a company that has been serially underappreciated and undervalued over a period of time. Their returns now over a fifteen year period are sensational, absolutely sensational. They're moving internationally in a much bigger way than they have been in the past. Yeah, the stock is pretty expensive uh, based on current earnings. And there is that fashion risk that should always be in the back of your mind for any company like this. But Lululemon is a monster and they have been executing and they've been shifting to meet fashion trends and driving fashion trends now for the better part of a decade, which is really a rarity. GameStop's second quarter loss was wider than expected. They are growing sales, but shares of GameStop falling 8% this morning. And the fact that their executives aren't taking questions on the conference call and they're not talking about their plans for turning the business around, that is not helping. That is absolutely not helping matters. It's so great for us to be able to talk about actual results from GameStop under any circumstances because GameStop... GameStop... GameStop, all it's been is a, it's it, it's been a fad, it's been a meme, it's been a cause for a certain for a certain type of investors. So it is somewhat rare. I actually went to jump onto the call yesterday. It was supposed to start at four thirty Eastern time. I hopped onto the call at like four forty one, which is usually the time by which. Uh, you know, the company in a call has done all of their disclosures, and the call was over. It was totally over. It was like they were on for nine minutes. No questions, no nothing. Now, I guess in some ways, because management is aware that GameStop stock has not really had much to do with operations, maybe they're just playing true to type. But this was, in fact a money-losing company in 2019. It was a massive money-losing company in 2020, which is understandable. It's still a money-losing company. And every once in a while, every 13 weeks, management has to actually come come on and remind people that that's true. So, yeah, they got off as quick as they could. I know that when Steve Easterbrook left McDonald's, he left under a cloud, Um, but... When he became the CEO of McDonald's, he came in 
and was very clear to everyone, including and especially the Wall Street community, I'm going to spend the next few months talking to our franchisees, talking to our employees, and I'm going to come back in a few months, and then I'm going to lay out my plan for turning this business around. And he did just that. And the reason I mention this is because the people who are running GameStop, they didn't just get there yesterday. They've been there for a while. And so it's, it is, it is, you know, this is, I know there are times when, you know, Wall Street analysts can, can come off um, in a negative way. Uh, This is not one of those situations. It is perfectly reasonable to, at this point with this management team to expect that they're going to answer questions or at the very least lay out their plan. Yeah, I just don't think that they, you know, I so Ryan Cohen, who is uh, who's become a billionaire thanks to his founding of Chewy, and now uh, you know coming in and taking over and buying a huge piece of GameStop, has been fantastic. But he he's been there for I don't even eight months now, nine months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, L- little less than a year. A little less than a year, they have you know, and and, and uh, you know they have a new CEO. But yeah, um, they've done a great job taking advantage of the fact that their stock is very very highly priced in eliminating their debt. So GameStop has plenty of time from a corporate standpoint to figure itself out. Their high price of stock has given them that luxury, but they are taking every bit of that luxury and what they ultimately want to do. And I think that they have a chance at succeeding at this is not so much becoming being still a uh, bricks and mortar retailer as a much more reliable place where they can be an online platform for 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 games. And I think they've got a good shot at it. I still think that this company, the share price it bears repeating, has absolutely nothing to do with its current operations right now. They should take a page out of the uh, playbook of the people who are running AMC theaters, who who came out earlier this year and said just that. Like, hey, we just want to remind everyone, (laughs) our stock price and our business are two completely different things. They are one hundred percent divorced from one another. The my the most the, the the best one that I have seen so far was last year when Hertz was in bankruptcy, in bankruptcy, and the meme stock people got a Wall Street bets got a hold of its stock, and they're like, "All right, we're going to do a secondary." And in the secondary, it basically said, "Our company is in bankruptcy. You should expect no value," and they sold several hundred million dollars worth of stock of a company that was in bankruptcy. And the craziest thing about Hertz is you look back, it's coming out of bankruptcy and there's actually value for the shareholders. Those people were right. They nice were work. right. It's nice crazy. Work. Nice work if you can get it. That's right. Um, the hits keep on coming for shareholders of Boston Beer Company. Uh, unfortunately, it's not the good kind of hits. Shares are falling 8% after the parent company of Samuel Adams Beer pulled its earnings guidance. In the last six months, this stock has been cut in half. Um, wh- where do you want to start with this? At some point, I want to talk about the hard seltzer. But right now, you look at the stock being cut in half. Uh, is is this? Are we going to look back on this and say, "Oh, that was the time to buy Sam," uh, you know, Sam Adams? <laughs> 
or or are we going to look back and say no there th- that was completely reflective of significant underlying problems at the business. I loved I I love shifting time frames a little bit. So the stock currently is about $520 a share. Last March on March 1st, so really before the big drop everywhere it was at $340 a share. So do the math, that's about 160, 170 bucks. So it's essentially gone up 50% in a year and a half. Is that an okay return? I mean to yeah. me that's great. Yes. That's great. If you push, if you push the the game, the the goalposts out a little bit farther, and you push your perspective out a little bit farther, Boston Beer stock has done fine. But it is also the case that five hundred and sixteen dollars is way less than thirteen hundred and fifty dollars, which is where it was in the interim. So they came out a couple months ago, or about a month ago in July. Who could tell what it is anymore? Uh, and and said that uh, sales of hard seltzer were soft, softer than expected, that they'd really dropped off a cliff. That was really one of their big bets. And hard seltzer sales have continued to drop in such a way that the Boston Beer Company does not feel like they can predict what it's going to look like. And that's and that's scary. That is unnerving, but it's also, I think, probably temporary. I think it's probably you've gone through the time in which hard seltzer was the hot, hot thing. And it's now going to be it's going to be a model citizen within this portfolio. Boston Beer Company has done a great job shifting into uh, ciders and shifting into hard seltzers. And now the hard work will come. So, do you think it's um, partly due to expectations getting away from everyone in terms of hard seltzer sales? Because it, I, 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 we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I, I am not someone who drinks hard seltzer, and I look at the people who do, and they are typically a lot younger than I am, and I wonder and healthier if, and healthier and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot of people are healthier than me, um, but but I do wonder if hard seltzer is um, one of those alcoholic beverages that is, for lack of a better word, a phase that people go through. Um, that they they look at hard seltzer and it's something they drink when they're in college or maybe or, you know in their twenties or something like that, and then they move on to other things. Although, you know, our, our producer Dan Boyd was you know making the case that. Look, the, the hard seltzer is generally something that is lower in calories. Mm-hmm. Um, some are better than others. So if you like the taste and you're looking for fewer calories, then yeah, it is something that you can drink over an extended period of your life. And it, I, I've been thinking about it. And it was really, it was wonderful to hear Dan talk about his impressions. I think a lot of people, in when they think of hard seltzer, have wine coolers and Zima in the back of their minds, something that was white hot for a while and then disappeared. And I think probably what's happening now is that people are worried that that fad is coming to an end. And I really, for the exact reasons that Dan was saying, I don't think that's the case. It is a lower calorie way to get your drink on a little bit. Do you think there is a seasonality to it, um, and therefore, people looking at a company like Boston Beer should expect 
sales of hard seltzer are going to um, do better in the warmer months than they are in the colder months. You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I think that that's I think that that's very true. But also, I I, I always compared beer and wine to cigarettes and in, with, with people who smoked always had a brand very few people have a beer brand or they have a wine brand they want to try things but in hard seltzer that's not really the case hard seltzer is a little bit more like like the coca-colas of the world you're a coke person you're a pepsi person you are a truly person you are a white claw person Right. I think that I think that the barriers to entry based on the branding are much, much stronger in hard seltzer than they are in beer and wine categories. That's a great point. Let me tell you one other little thing that's not helping Boston Beer Company. Um, and I know this anecdotally through uh, family members in the Boston area. Uh, it doesn't help them when in the month of August they stop selling their summer beers. And they, they and they start promoting their Oktoberfest beers when it's when it's ninety degrees in August. It's not helping Boston beer. It's not helping. It's really not. I, you know, we 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 talk a lot about the real shame in this country of you know how they push forward holidays too much. You know, people are already getting set up for. Christmas and I mean we are well into the Halloween season here at the beginning of you know just entering the middle of September so yes folks it's no longer Mad Magazine where you put things out six months before they're actually supposed to be out like let's hold off until it's actually got a snap of cold in the air before we're saying hey here's all of our fall stuff I 100% agree with that and I think that there should be congressional hearings about (laughs) about holiday drift. These are the issues we're here for, Chris. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, come for the stock analysis, stay for the out-of-the-box thinking on what we need congressional hearings on. And by the way, you're right. Thank you. Bill Mann, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.